0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Sports Deli Season 1 Episode 12 and I'm flying solo on this one and I just wanted to talk to everyone about some of the things that are on my mind with regards to what's going on in Wisconsin and just to address the issue as a whole and I thought to myself after something I posted online reached almost 2500 people and I got a lot of feedback mostly positive but there was some um, negative feedback that I got and I wanted to listen and learn from what people had to say even if it was uh, directed at me personally and ask myself if I was in their shoes you know from their experiences you know what would I be thinking Because otherwise I'm no better than anyone else if I'm not at least trying to put myself in someone else's shoes. And so besides uh, being moved to tears several times over the last couple of days and being very angry, to say the least, as a white man in America. And I think it's not enough just to not consider yourself racist. I think it's important that uh, we're anti-racist and that uh, we ask ourselves not just what um, are we going to do besides paint basketball courts and uh, wear t-shirts and face coverings that uh, address um, social injustice, but what plan are we going to put into place? And obviously, demographically, this is going to differ depending on what part of the country that you live in. But the reality is, besides the uh, economic disparity in this country, uh, between the people that are in power in this country, the people that make decisions in this country that um, make the decisions, uh, the, the very people that um, are in power in the media and people that are in power in sports, in Congress, Uh, typically with the Oval Office, and how are we going to put uh, plans in place from a a municipality standpoint, from a state standpoint, and from a federal standpoint. And obviously we can have these conversations with people at home. Uh, Obviously it helps when uh, professional athletes, African Americans, are... uh, sending a message and trying to make a statement about uh, social injustice um, through their actions or inaction uh, especially recently with uh, the WNBA, Major League Soccer uh, the National Basketball Association um, tennis player and then the uh, entire uh, women's tennis tournament Um, and today hockey was added to the list And, um, you know, major sports uh, leagues, the NFL has talked about uh, boycotting, they already boycotted practice. And when you have a collective front of leagues or uh, teams within a specific organization, it's a lot more powerful than people going off in their own directions, which it seemed like uh, was the case when the NBA initially uh, decided to have this bubble. And so uh, I think the conversations are, are very important. I think it's great that the teams boycotted, and I also think it's important that they continue to play. And I didn't know how I felt initially, but I know that uh, so many people have spoke out on the issue, and I'm going to place some of those uh, clips for you in a little while. But Obama has supported uh, the players, Michael Jordan has been involved in the conversations, and he's supported the players. Stephen A. Smith from ESPN, Max Kellerman. I haven't really seen one person uh, in a position of power, uh, especially in terms of African Americans, who have said that they didn't support these leagues uh, standing up for what they believe in and um, boycotting their respective games. Uh, or matches in in their respective sports. And I think it's great that the conversations have happened so quickly. Uh, cooler heads uh, will usually prevail and I don't think you should stop being angry because I think anger can be channeled uh, into productive things if, if done properly. Um, and one of the things that I thought about was um, The fact that African-Americans have had an accumulation not only over 400 years but each person individually uh, over their lifetime. And if you think of your own life and how anything that accumulates in a positive or negative way, and in this case we're talking about in a negative way when it comes to social injustice and the inequalities with uh, education and economics and um, leadership and small businesses, and uh, prison reform, and police reform, or anything that we're talking about where there are um, systemic racism, and oppression, and clear uh, differences between black and white America. The The accumulation effect on people is overwhelming, and as so many of these African American and black men have said recently, they're exhausted. And can you blame them? Can you imagine every single day, 365 days a year, every single time you walk out of your house, how exhausted you must be that in the back of your mind all you think about is because of the color of your skin that you're going to possibly get pulled over, that you're going to possibly get shot because you're going back into your car to take your kids home, because you're protesting in Indianapolis during a Facebook Live video and you get shot by police uh... or you 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 have somebody come into your house unannounced um, and you know the stories are are endless with regards to um, the the different set of rules between black and white america and it's exhausting so the accumulation effect is uh... as like i said making so many african-americans that are coming out and talking about it whether it's chris webber Uh, from TNT, who was very emotional last night. Doc Rivers, who was emotional a couple of nights ago, who's crying. LeBron James, the face of the NBA, he's uh, very emotional about this issue. And so many others. It's exhausting. Um, I'm not even going to say I'm I'm exhausted because I feel like I have no right to complain uh, compared to what African Americans and black uh, people around the world have been through. But I can't even imagine having to uh, accumulate these types of feelings and thoughts on a continuous twenty four seven basis three hundred and sixty five days out of the year, uh, and what that must feel like to to have that as just a part of your consciousness every single day it's just It's just got to be uh overwhelming, and you know you wonder why. There's so much frustration, and why this has to be a white problem now if you took it if you take a look at the faces of American power um, because this is a white problem, as I've said before, and we have to take a stand, and I really want to know why there are not more white people in power saying something uh, and being in the forefront you know African Americans and blacks have been uh screaming at, at the top of mountaintops for years and continue to and where is jerry jones where is jerry jones where as much as i love tom brady where is tom brady you know where where are the the people uh who truly believe black lives matter and uh members of the entertainment field uh why are they not at the forefront of this issue uh, more than they, they are right now. And you know, the, the leaders of the uh, largest American companies are predominantly all-white, uh, whether you're talking about Bill Gates or anybody else that's in power uh, with Fortune 500 companies. You know The president and his cabinet, mostly white people. President of Ivy League universities, all-whites. U.S. senators, all-whites. Hollywood executives, mostly all-whites. Uh, People who decide what music gets produced. Mostly whites. Mayors of America's major cities. There are some African-Americans, but in the largest cities, mostly whites. Uh, People who influence people uh, in terms of what they read. You know, Oprah obviously is very powerful in this regard, um, and there are some other African-Americans and minorities who are very powerful, but uh, mostly whites. Uh, people who decide what television shows and what movies people see, mostly white people, people who decide how news gets covered, mostly white people, the Supreme Court, mostly white people, American governors, mostly white people, top military advisors, white people, owners of men 's professional basketball teams, mostly white people, owner of men 's professional football teams, mostly white people, baseball teams, and I could go on and on and we 're not going to change anything if we don't get white people across the board to be in positions to make changes within their local municipalities at the state level and at the federal level. This is a multi-layer issue and we have to start at home but we have to have plans in place from reparations in my opinion, starting uh, some type of 401ks for kids in low-income areas, to uh, continuing the message at the major pro-sports level, to making inroads with police, prison reform, uh, uh, small business loans, and over the course of time, people will see, hopefully, not this generation, but future generations, African Americans, as equals. And I'm going to play some clips for you now with regards to... Some of the things that people who are way more important than me have been talking about. And I just felt like I had a responsibility with this platform. Uh, Having listened and learned to so many of my amazing uh, guests that uh, Coach Kaplan and John and I have had the good fortune of having on our podcast. This is the Sports Deli Special Edition Season 1 Episode 12 with regards to the Black Lives Matter movement and the recent protests here in the United States uh, with regards to major sports teams. Um, the other question I have is, um, do you think that if the SEC and the Big 12 and um, the, uh, the other uh, uh, Power 5 conference, uh, if they boycotted, this football season and this basketball season. Do you think that would change anything with regards to how people view the issue? Because I i don't want to talk to just the people that already believe in what I'm saying. Those aren't the people that I'm trying to have conversations with and get you to understand uh, what I've learned and what other people that are a lot more experienced in this issue are saying. African Americans have been living this Black Americans have been living this. Blacks around the world have been living with this fear uh, and this vibration their entire lives, this discrimination, this inequality, this uh, oppression and voter suppression and uh, inequity across the board. Those are the people we should be listening to and learning from. People like Dr. Richard Lapchick, who was on the podcast a civil rights uh, spokesperson who's been fighting his whole life along with his dad for civil rights. These are the people that we should be listening to and if you're an introspective person and you care about your fellow human beings this isn't a democratic or republican issue this is a right or wrong issue and I'm more than happy to sit down and have thoughtful conversations with the other side but if you're not even willing to uh, admit that there's Uh, inequities that are so systemic in nature uh, from how much whites and blacks get paid for the same job with the same degrees to the way that Republicans and Democrats have both screwed up uh, our prison system uh, and how that needs to be overhauled completely uh, to privilege politics to uh, all the little microaggressions that happen uh, that people say uh, behind closed doors uh, to their friends, you know it's it's going to take some time, but we got to put some things in place that help to turn things around. And I hope that my words resonate with some of you who don't know uh, much about this that you want to learn more about it because of some of the things that we're talking about on my podcast and that sparks your curiosity to possibly listen to other podcasts um, like Angela Ray, you know, Michael Steele, Stephen A. Smith, uh, Michael Wilbon, Chris Weber, uh, other people in powerful positions, Obama, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Tiger Woods, maybe people that you respect and will listen to maybe a lot more than you'd listen to me. Anyways, this is the Sports Deli. I appreciate you listening. I'm going to have some more comments here, uh, but I want to play some clips for you uh, from some of the people that have been speaking out on what's been happening recently in terms of the protests with the major sports leagues and teams and players individually and individual sports. And I applaud them so much for taking a stand, going against the collective bargaining agreement uh, and not caring what the ramifications are. I applaud Adam Silver, for being an unbelievable, arguably the best commissioner in the history of sports uh, for the stand that he took on um, Donald Sterling when he first became commissioner to always being on the player's side and, more importantly, uh, earning their trust from day one. And that's why the NBA is the trendsetter in terms of um, standing up for social injustice. I applaud the NHL even though they're late to the party for boycotting games and uh, the NFL for talking about boycotting possibly if that's the stand they choose to take and players uh, being allowed to go to practice uh, like uh, the Dallas Cowboys did um, and some other teams uh, chose to um, uh, not have practice and speak out on the matter. Everybody's going to handle the situation differently, but hopefully we see some changes here uh, that are tangible changes that are discussed with our legislature and our um, various uh, people at the local level, the state level, and the federal level. And the most important thing I think we can do right now is vote and go to vote.org, as we've been talking about in our podcast for a number of weeks now. Every vote matters, and uh, we can't have less than a third of America voting. We need to have everybody voting, and don't let voter suppression and people say that your vote doesn't matter distract you and deter you from going to vote. Go vote. Vote Vote.org. Your vote matters. So I first want to share with you, if you haven't heard it already, Doc Rivers' Whose son plays in the NBA? He played in the NBA. His dad was a cop for over 30 years, so obviously he's very torn about this issue, and he's very emotional in his press conference a couple of days ago. Current head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. Take a listen to Doc Rivers.
1: All you hear, is Donald Trump, and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities, um, we've been hung, we've been shot, and all you do is keep hearing a fear. It's, it's amazing <sighs> why we keep loving
2: this country, and this country does not love us back.
0: So that's Doc Rivers just being so raw and real, sharing his fear and frustrations with America. And as a black man first, as a dad first, as the son of a cop first, um, it's just really moving to watch this guy in one of the most prestigious positions in all of the NBA having won an NBA championship with the Celtics when he had the big three there. He played in the NBA. He knows the culture. He's got a real understanding of the pulse of the players and always has being a player's coach. And just so raw and so emotional to, to hear his words. And, you know, he's not alone in his fears after... Jacob Blake, and most people are not talking about Trayford Pellerin, who was killed uh, also in the last few days in Louisiana um, when he was getting ready to go into a liquor store. He had a knife in his hand, from what I've read, but still uh, another unnecessary shooting of a black man instead of taking other measures to subdue uh, this gentleman and You know, it's just something that has to has to stop. We have to have police reform and we have to have uh, real concrete answers to these uh, problems that are continuing to plague the United States of America. Take a listen to Jacob Blake's father, whose name is also Jacob Blake, in a press conference after the shooting.
1: I'd like to thank everyone for coming out. In support of my son with this senseless attempted murder that was committed on him. They, they shot my son seven times, seven times. Like he didn't matter. But my son matters. He's a human being and he
0: matters. He does matter, and all black lives matter, and blacks have been cheapened for 400 years, and the cost of an African-American life has to be equal to that of their white counterparts. And now Jacob Blake is paralyzed, whether it's permanent or temporary, doesn't matter. His colon is gone. He has to defecate into a bag now because he doesn't have a colon. He was shot seven times, as you heard his dad say. For what? Because he was going into his car to take his three kids home who witnessed the whole thing? What if the bullets had ricocheted off of him or the car and taken the lives of one or or all three of his kids? It's It's just unbelievable that this stuff continues to happen. So we have to deal with another couple of African-Americans shot by police officers. Meanwhile, I'm not going to say his last name, but a counter-protester, 17-year-old, with an assault rifle, Kyle, is taken into custody. Walks right by police officers after shooting two counter-protesters dead and... People even started a GoFundMe page where $825 was raised for him before GoFundMe removed it. And where's the outrage by the white community over this? Uh, where, where, Where are the white leaders of our world in all the industries that I named earlier? But nope, you're not coming out to the defense of the Black Lives Matter movement in the ways that you need to. We still continue to hear from black Americans and African Americans more than we hear from white Americans. And what we need to do is hear from white Americans and people in power who are going to be able to move the meter and influence people in positions of power whether it's legislatively or in the entertainment business, the news, sports, Otherwise, we're not going to bridge this gap with uh, how we're going to change um, the police uh, teachings at the academies and the implementation of proper procedures uh, during these types of situations. Uh, and, you know, everything that happens in our prison systems before they get there and then when they're there in terms of uh, being incarcerated and being in jail longer than they're supposed to be, getting proper representation and changing the three strikes and you're out law uh, and the fact that we have 35 percent of people incarcerated being African-American when only 14 percent of Americans are African-American is uh, part of the systemic racism that exists in America that has to change. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about a friend of mine And I had somebody message me. Uh, I had about 2,500 views about a video that I sent out recently. Surprised me and a lot of people that it got that much traction, which is not a lot of traction. But anyways, it reminded me of a situation where a friend of mine, uh, I'm not going to name who it is. He was in jail for a year. I didn't know it. His girlfriend reached out to me at the time, who he's now married to and has two kids with and she said that he's been in jail for a year. I said, oh my god, what happened? So she explained the story. And the person that responded to me on Facebook said, did you know that one of these people that were just shot in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, was allegedly charged with a a crime of a minor. And so I thought about my friend who was also charged with a lewd and lascivious act, got bad representation, got a new trial, and the reason, my opinion, that he was in jail for a year was because he was African-American. He got bad representation who told him not to take the stand in a he-said-she-said case, and he was going to be serving 85% of his sentence, which would have put him, uh, I think, between six and eight years for something he didn't do. And so the judge was the judge that was in the Westerfield case. I I can't remember his name at the time, a famous case here in San Diego. And he awarded him a new trial, and eventually they settled. Now, he copped to a felony because the deal was that eventually, if he was clear for a year without any crimes committed against him, that it would be dropped to a misdemeanor. So for a year, he had to be a felon, Uh, He had to uh, register as a sex offender. He couldn't leave the state. All the things that are required, he had to wear a bracelet, all these things. And then he's been living a good life ever since. Now it turns out that his sister's uh, kid that he was babysitting for was the one that said that he was molesting them and because he was, uh, as a good uncle he was uh, disciplining them uh, and the kid didn't like it. His sister's kid didn't like it. And it turns out that it was alleged that the sister's boyfriend was molesting the kid and she blamed him and as a result he goes to jail for a year. So there are situations where somebody could have been alleged something. I'm not saying this person is innocent or not. But you're bringing to me an argument that we don't know the complete facts of and that's distracting and until you know the facts to minimize and fracture the real issue is exactly what white America many white Americans have done for so many years they try and deflect and distract and bring up other things that are not related to specifically what happened and I'm not going to be distracted So that was a nice try by this person who tried to send me this information. And I just – this is one example where you don't know someone's circumstances. They might have been coerced by the police. White and uh, African-Americans and blacks are treated very differently oftentimes when they are uh, in police custody and – I just presented one example to you of somebody who is a close friend of mine and still is a close friend of mine that he had to endure what he endured until he got a public defender to take his case and you know, essentially got the, the case overturned, got him a new trial, and uh, you know, he's, he's been free uh, as uh, not having to be a registered sex offender anymore because he copped to a felony because he knew after a year uh, it would be reduced to a misdemeanor. And he never did it, and it turns out that it was his sister's boyfriend that did it. Just, an, just an, a sickening, gut-wrenching, unbelievable story. And the fact that his first lawyer stole money from him and poorly advised him, which the judge told uh, the new pu- public defender lawyer that he did such a terrible job in defending him originally and apologized to my friend for everything that he had to go through. So we don't know the situation with Jacob Blake. So to bring that up, you don't you don't know exactly what happened. Could be that he's guilty. Could be, be that he's not. But for you to uh, hint at the fact that everything that happened is minimized because of uh, another alleged si- situation with him is appalling and disgusting. You know, you have to be willing to fight for something that you believe in, as Martin Luther King said in paraphrasing, that you're going to be remembered for your silence. I had a talk today with a kid, a client of mine, and he was upset about something in his family. And I talked to him about Martin Luther King. I said, how long do you think slavery and civil rights and this movement has been going on? And I said, have things changed to the point where we want them to? And he said, no, this kid's 11 years old. And I said, well, does that mean that people shouldn't continue to stand up for what they believe in or should they be silent just because things aren't getting done initially? I said, you have a voice. I said, you have, to, you have to stand up for what you believe in, whether it's your parents or anyone else, even if it feels like there's retribution, or even if it feels like you're going to be an outcast, or even if you feel like people aren't going to stand by you initially, that if you in your heart believe something, that you have to stand up for what you believe in. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And there's a lot of people that have cussed me out in the last few days and disagreed with what I had to say. Um, There's been other protests out there. Kenny Smith from the TNT show, the post-game show and the halftime show. The NBA on TNT walked off the set in solidarity with the players. And I've heard the argument that people think that he pre-planned it or, you know, why did he come and then leave? And come on, man, stop minimizing an uh, African-American's attempt to show his frustration and, and his sadness and protest in the way that he wants to? How about just appreciating him for standing up for what he believes in as a principle instead of criticizing him and trying to minimize him and in and, uh, and another attempt to keep the black man down? Man, I'm so sick of these microaggressions and people trying to do everything to minimize and find fault with things that people do and instead of just appreciating the fact that he was standing up for something he believed in. This is a good guy. And if you watch Charles and Shaq and Ernie's reaction on the set, man, he didn't plan this. They had no idea he was going to do this. They were as shocked as, as any of us watching uh, at home. Come on, man. Give this guy some credit for what he did. Give every one of these people on this platform the credit they deserve for standing up for what they believe in, for what is an inarguable uh, concept of of inequality in America and in so many parts of the world. Come on, y'all. Come on. It's got to happen. We, we got to have more people protesting in Hollywood. Uh, we have to have the white people who are in control in America and around the world to protest. It can't just be the African-Americans who are protesting. This is a right or a wrong issue. This isn't a Republican or a Democratic issue. Both uh, parties have failed the black community. And this is predominantly, in my opinion, a white issue. And it's I'm sick to my stomach by what I continue to see day in and day out. I just want things to change and for the gap to be bridged and for African-Americans to not walk out of their house fear for their lives and have to put their hands on the steering wheel of their car or fear when a cop drives by, when their heartbeat is through their chest because they're wondering if they're going to get pulled over and if the same thing is going to happen to them that happened to Jacob Blake or Sean Reed or Brianna Taylor or any of the other countless African-Americans who have been murdered by these domestic terrorists a.k.a. police officers, who someone told me today in one of my posts when I said, why don't they just shoot him in the leg or something like that? And their response was, well, they're taught to shoot and kill. If they're going to shoot, they're taught to shoot and kill. Well, this is why we need police reform. Whether or not you believe in defunding the police or not, that's a, that's a uh, discussion for another day. You can't tell me if you shoot somebody in the, in the ankle and their, their foot is shattered, at least they're alive, that that shouldn't be an option or several tasers if the first taser doesn't work, or using your vehicle to hit the person with your car, which I've seen in some instances, and maybe they have a broken leg or a broken hip, but they're still alive. So anyways, I just wanted to get it out there that um, I'm sad that so many white people continue to be in denial about the situation. We can't be silent anymore. We have to be the voice that, is the majority for this issue. And I heard Stephen A. Smith from ESPN this morning talk about how uh, he's been pulled over and he was fearful for his life and how Max Kellerman, who's uh, a Jewish American, uh, also on First Take uh, in the mornings and has his own show on ESPN. And he talked about how this largely is a white problem and he's been saying this for a long time. I just hope that we continue to collectively change the way that people think by starting at home, having these tough conversations. I don't know if the current climate is going to get things done necessarily in terms of the older generation and the good old white boy network, but I do feel hopeful that the future generations of kids and of people in their 20s and 30s right now, that we will see change. It will be for the better, and we will not see this type of fear that African Americans and Blacks have when they walk out of their house, when they get in their car, when they go into a restaurant, when they go shopping in a store, when they take their kids out to have a fun day at the lake or go to an amusement park or walk into Starbucks or go into a grocery store or go anywhere that they have to go that does not afford them the same Equality and rights that are inalienable that white people have, that they eventually will be able to go into some of the spaces that we are able to go to as white people that they cannot go into right now. And that's the sad truth. If you feel like sending me an email, it's the gmail at gmail.com. You can check me out on Instagram at Mike Hootner and on Twitter at Michael Hootner. This is the Sports Deli Special Edition dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm your host, Hootie Hoot. I want to share with you first uh, Kenny Smith's comments from TNT prior to him walking off the stage.
1: This is this is tough. I mean, right now my head is like ready to explode, like just in the thoughts of what's going on. And uh, I don't know if I'm even appropriate enough to say it, what the, what the players are feeling and how they're feeling and um i haven't talked to any of the players i'm just like coming in even like driving here and getting into into the into the studio hearing calls and people talking and for me i think the biggest thing now is to kind of as a black man as a former player i think it's for, best for me to support the players and just not be here tonight figure
0: out what happens after and he went on to say and he'll figure out what's gonna happen next but he wants to be in solidarity with the players and he walked off the set man that's powerful stuff right there man for real and as we continue on to share some audio with you from charles barkley and his feelings on some of the things that recently happened with uh, kenny the jet smith walking off the stage of the tnt broadcast and the player's Protesting uh, from the various sports leagues. Take a listen.
2: No, I've never seen anything like this. And like I said, you got to give the Milwaukee Bucks a lot of credit. There, this happened in their home state. They felt the most pressure. I know other teams have been talking about it, but it took the Bucks to lead the forefront. Uh, Giannis and Coach Boonhauer and those guys. It took great courage.
0: It did take a lot of courage. I think it's a little bit easier now to speak up and not be afraid of any kind of retribution or the fact that sponsors might pull their support for you. And I think collectively, because of the unification of the league and Adam Silver and the players, it's a lot easier to take a stand right now. And uh, there's not going to be any backlash like there was in the NFL when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Take a listen to Max Kellerman from ESPN's First Take.
3: When Jackie Robinson broke the color line in 1947, the first African-American player to play in Major League Baseball, and the fans were harassing him, and he was getting death threats and all this, one of the most popular players on the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time was Pee Wee Reese, his keystone partner, because Robinson played second base, Pee Wee Reese played shortstop. They're both now in the Hall of Fame. And Pee Wee Reese, as they're booing Jackie Robinson and all this, Walks over to Jackie Robinson and puts his arm around him, saying, See, this guy, he's with me and I'm with him. And anything you are saying about him, you're saying it to me too. There's not one Pee Wee Reese in the NFL. Again, well, Stephen A. I I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that if someone's conscience tells them, Hell no. I'm standing up for the national anthem. I believe in this and I'm not going to protest something in a way that I find distasteful simply to show solidarity. That's fine. I'm not talking to those people. I have nothing against those people. Good for you. You stand up for what you believe in. But, for, but what I'm asking is, given the number of white players in the NFL, there's not a single one of them who feels differently or at least ambivalent. And among that pool of players, there's not a well, single
0: one of them that's willing to risk some job security. And I agree with Max, and this is part of what I was saying in the beginning of today's podcast. This is the Sports Deli Season 1, Episode 12, Special Edition, dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement and the recent protests. When I was talking about the fact that there's not enough white people, white men in particular, speaking out on this issue, especially in Congress, the music industry, the sports industry, the news industry, Uh, the president certainly has failed America in this area, and so I agree with Max Kellerman 100%. Take a listen to Ernie Johnson from the NBA on TNT. Very heartfelt words from Ernie Johnson.
4: In my 30 years in this chair, I remember Magic and his announcement about HIV 91. remember Adam Silver in 2014 addressing the Donald Sterling situation with the Clippers and saying um, that I am banning him for life and how impactful that was at that moment and then today. No podium involved. Simply, we're not going to take the floor.
0: And here's Shaquille O'Neal's response to Ernie. And I share these different voices with you because I think it's important that, obviously, I share my opinions with you as a white man in America, 51 years old, having lived in seven decades now. But these people know a lot more than I do, especially the African-Americans that I have shared with you in this podcast and their opinions about what they've been through. And this is the way that I've been listening and learning and then trying to share that information with you, especially those of you who don't really understand the movement or are not sure whether or not this is something that is worthy of your time. But I assure you that it is, and I hope you really want to be on the right side of history. Uh, African Americans are fed up. People that care are fed up, and something
2: has to change. But I'm with Charles. What is the next step? Do you say, okay, I'm going to boycott the season? Because right now, the games are just postponed. Uh, Something's going to happen next week. Something's going to happen next year. Something's going to happen next month. Uh, And I'm, I'm with you on whatever stand you take, but Are we canceling? Are we postponing? What's the next plan? And how does this eliminate bad people's thought process? I'm not sure that canceling the game is going to make a racist person say, oh, they canceled the game. We're not going to be racist anymore. We have to identify certain areas, certain problems, root out the evil, root out the problems, and we have to start systematically taking these things down. Because again, you know, we're all businessmen here. You have a plan. And then in order to make the plan go to the next level, you have to take next steps. So again, November is coming up. Make sure you, you get a new DA. Make sure you get a new chief of police. Make sure you get a new mayor. Make sure you get a new president. Make sure you get a new sheriff. It's in our hands. It's always been in our hands. We need to put people in, in, in place that understand our language, understand understand our frustrations and that that will be where we're starting to, you know, enact on the plan.
0: And I couldn't agree with Shaquille O'Neal more and Charles. And I applaud Kenny Smith again for walking off and standing in solidarity with the players. Let's take a listen to Stephen A. Smith's reaction to the games being canceled tonight.
5: I'm incredibly proud of all parties involved. First of all, I want to give major, major props to Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, because he stepped up in a big way. I think Mark Spears was right on the money. Uh, if he didn't want to do this, it would not have happened or it would have been a really huge roadblock or impediment to it happening. George Hill and the other players on the team stepping up, booting and supporting them. Uh, the Bucks organization as a whole supporting one another. We give them props. The Orlando Magic joining in, we give them props because I think that if the Milwaukee Bucks stood alone, it would have been absolutely positively disastrous. It would have looked like a house divided. They would not have looked like they were coming together. People would have found ways to poke holes at these guys and it would have been counterproductive in my estimation. But when you stand up collectively, what you're saying is and what you're admitting, Rachel, is that you know there may be a potential sacrifice in here. Obviously, the networks are going to lose money, potentially. That means the league is going to lose money. That means individual owners are going to lose money. And as a result, they're going to ensure that the players lose money. Nevertheless, the players said, damn that, to hell with it, as LeBron James tweeted. It with words, the F word, because I can't repeat that over the airwaves. The bottom line is taking that kind of position is basically acknowledging that you recognize the potential sacrifice that comes along with it is going to affect you uh, potentially hugely monetarily, and you don't give a damn. Something needs to be done, and anything that it takes to bring uh, attention to the plight of African-American men in this nation, you're going to stand up and fight no matter what. And if you've got to go down, you've got to go down swinging. And none of them are alone. And that's what's so important about this. And that's why I'm so proud and impressed with what they were doing. Again, if they were doing it individually, they were doing it by themselves, even as one team, I would have had a huge, huge problem with it.
0: I agree with Stephen A. Smith and... He's somebody that I love to listen to with regards to uh, this subject because uh, he's very passionate about his thoughts on sports and about uh, racial inequality and social injustice in this country. I think Michael Wilbon from ESPN's PTI, along with Tony Kornizer, made a great point about what resonated with the players in the NBA. Take a listen.
3: What are other basketball players thinking? LeBron James, you know, either tweeted or Instagram posted something recently uh, today that expressed his extreme level of frustration. I think that Doc Rivers' remarks last night, powerful and eloquent. They moved me enough that I reached out to Doc at like 2 o'clock in the morning to just exchange ideas about what, 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 what is this? And Doc did not plan this. It was an outpouring, which he told me. And I think that resonated, Tony, particularly with players. Doc Rivers and Greg Popovich may be the most sort of respected coaches in the league. Doc Rivers, for younger players, he's a beacon to them in many ways. And I think that this had something to do with what players felt and what we are now seeing executed.
0: Profound words by Michael Wilbon. Now I want you to take a listen to Chris Weber of TNT. And, you know, we remember Chris Weber for the infamous timeout while he was at Michigan in the championship game uh, against North Carolina and, you know, for his rift between some of the other players with the Fab Five that, you know, they have since reconciled. And I've never really heard him in this light, and I have a newfound appreciation for him for what he had to share last night on TNT. Take a listen.
1: But I'm here to speak for those that are always marginalized. Those that live in these neighborhoods where we preach and tell them to vote and walk away. Charles Barkley came to my high school. Just seeing him in the locker room, seeing his hands and his body, that inspired me. You can't see something. You can't be something until you see it. And when I tell you the little kids that have called me upset, I have a godson that has autism and I just had to explain to him why we aren't playing. I have young nephews that I've had to talk to about death before they've even seen it in a movie. If not now, when? If not during a pandemic (laughs) and countless lives being lost, if not now, when? That's that's all I just want to hear from the rest of the night while everybody's pontificating and thinking and soapboxing and all of that. We know nothing is going to change. We get it. Martin Luther King got shot and risked his life. Mecca Evers, if we've seen this and all of our heroes constantly taken down, we understand it's not going to end. But that does not mean, young men, that you don't do anything. Don't listen to these people telling you don't do anything because it's not going to end right away you were starting something for the next generation and the next generation to take over. Do you have to be smart? Yes. Do you have to make sure that you have a plan? Yes. Do you have to be articulate about that plan? Yes. All of those things. But that's what you're going to do. They're professionals. They know how to be the best of themselves. And so I applaud it. I applaud it because it is the young people. It is the young people leading the way.
0: And I applaud them. Man, that really moved me to tears. That was really profound. I wasn't going to include this clip from Stan Van Gundy, but I think he makes some really important points as a white male uh, in this industry for the majority of his adult life. Take a listen to what Stan Van Gundy, an announcer uh, for TNT, had to say with regards to Chris Weber's comments and race relations in general.
6: Well... I I mean, I think the way we approach race in this country and the way most people look at it is, you know, it's depressing, quite honestly. I mean, that that's how we view people. And and I think, yeah, I, I think within teams what happens is we get to know people. I mean, my own feelings on racial issues are basically from hearing stories of people like you and Chris and guys that I've coached and you These are people you get to know, these are people you like and care about, and their experiences are 180 degrees different from what people who have skin color like mine go through in this country. Um, And because you care about those people, you just more and more start saying, man, this has got to change, you know? I mean, 14% of our population is black, over thirty-five percent of our incarcerated population is black. Like what's going what's going on here? I mean and that's why I, I don't wanna just narrow in on one incident. It's a bad incident, Jacob Blake getting shot, but it's just emblematic of larger problems of racial injustice. And I, I think we need to look at the whole thing. And I think the players are trying to bring attention to all this. And I think they're trying to figure out the best way to make an impact. And Chris is right. Like we've got to applaud that. And they'll try to figure out the next steps. Hell, everybody's trying to figure out the next steps. If it were easy, it would already
0: be fixed. And one last rebuttal from Chris Weber with regards to what Stan said.
1: And I think that that's, well, it's so cool to have Coach Van Gundy on here. Well, that's why you see players from all different nations coming together uh, and working together. And I like to challenge everyone at home to just think about that quote. It is not about the words of your enemies, but the silence of your friends.
0: Powerful and man.
1: And this is just going to take it way back on something else is because Emmett Till's mother decided to put him on the cover and decided to put his picture out there when he was so brutally killed years ago. And I always think about her strength, because if she didn't put that picture out to show what lynching, what the KKK, what others were doing, that that right there opened America's eyes in a lot of ways. It got the attention that grew some ugly picture of a young boy, not even old enough to vote, being killed for a lie. So the trauma, I can't watch the news. That's the trauma or the trauma is to become um, cynical. Oh, he should have done this, or another one. No, that's the trauma. When you accept this new norm as for what it should be, or when they tell you, quit pulling out the black card, or quit being racist, or that guy was a criminal, or you can kill someone because they did something wrong. No, that's the trauma. We're fortunate to be in a bubble getting room service, and it can take you in a dark place. So I'm not speaking to each person's makeup. But the bubble that, you know... Butler talked about this and not wanting to have the name on his jersey. And I've always thought about this. I go in places. I try to dress nice on TV when I'm out. I'm the bummiest guy. And whenever I go into a store or something, if you don't know me, you'll, you'll follow me or this. And having friends, they they see it. And what happens when you and your brother are in the same place and you're treated differently because the security guard didn't know he was with you? It doesn't leave. There's a such thing called survivor's remorse, whether it's the opportunities you get and knowing others deserve them. And so I don't, the bubble here, I'm sure, has made everything, you know, has magnified everything. But I think more the stillness, the quietness of not being able to see your family, whether in Atlanta, Detroit, LA. I think the fact that there aren't distractions. I think that has given us the cold, hard fact that something else has been going on out there. And I, I think that's, that's the problem. My phone is blowing up from friends of mine with young black children that are really scared. And that's the trauma because you shouldn't be scared in your own neighborhood.
0: Very famous words of Martin Luther King. Well said, C-Web. Well said, man. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us in the Sports Deli. This has been a special edition dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. This is Hooty Hoot, your host. And I want to finish with a couple of thoughts before I let you go. So, you know, I said in the beginning that I really want to find a way to pay it forward and get people to understand things from my perspective and realize the magnitude of the problems going on in America and to not sweep this under the carpet and act like it's somebody else's problem. It's not enough just to not be racist, but you have to be anti-racist and understand that the disparities in this country are so great, not just from a fiscal perspective, but in terms of incarcerations, voter suppression and so many other areas from police reform that's so uh necessary in this day and age, as we've seen and witnessed with our own two eyes. When I hear someone like Troy Vincent, an African American person who's in the uh offices of the NFL under Roger Goodell, and he's got sons and he's worried about his sons who are a little bit older, you know, early twenties and I think 18 and 16 or 15 and and he's crying in in a phone call and Doc Rivers is crying and LeBron is scared and you know these are guys on the top on top of the world and although they're entertainers in many ways they're black men and black women first who are also fighting for the same causes the WNBA players have been at the forefront Maya Moore Sue Bird I applaud them so much for what they're doing. It's just disheartening that there's so many people out there that don't recognize what's going on. They won't admit it. Uh, They won't listen and learn and see things from the African-American and the black perspective. I just hope that the new generation of leaders and athletes and entertainers and people in our legislature at every level, uh, our new president hopefully in this upcoming election and all the people in power and sports mainly white men, I hope you make changes and go down on the right side of history so that young black children and African-Americans, young and old boy or girl or man or woman Or however it is that you identify yourself, don't have to be afraid to walk out of their house. Don't have to be afraid when a cop walks by or drives by. There's not a double standard when you walk into a Starbucks or go into a store that there's true equality in the United States and that the value of an African-American and a black person's life is the same as a white person. This has been the Sports Deli special edition dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement. Your vote matters. Go to vote.org. we got to have more than a third of the United States voting in the upcoming election. Feel free to send us an email with any thoughts or opinions on today's podcast or any other podcast at thesportsdeli@gmail.com. at gmail.com, thesportsdeli at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Mike Hootner. H-O-O-T-N-E-R, at Mike Hootner, or on Twitter, at Michael Hootner. Peace and love, everyone. And I leave you with this from um, Dr. Martin Luther King.
4: It's important to remember what Dr. Martin Luther King lived for, what he fought for, and what he died for. In his I Have a Dream speech, which happened in 1963 on August 28th, he talked about the promissory note of America, the American dream embedded in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. This nation will rise up, live
1: out the true meaning of its dreams. We hold these Jews to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
4: He spoke of his dream, that one day his children would be judged not on the color of their skin, based on the content of their character. I think that dream is important today as it ever was before, particularly as the politics of intersectionality and the silos that demagogues want to divide us by based on the color of our skin, our ethnicity, our religion, our sex, our sexual preference. That's not what Martin Luther King was talking about. The opposite is true. We're all equal, we're all looking for a place where we can be treated the same by the laws of the land. It's also important to remember all the things that happened leading up to that speech, all the violence, the lynchings and the the police dogs and the fire hoses. Throughout all of that, Dr. King preached a strategy of nonviolence. It was a moral imperative, but it was also a practical understanding of the way that you teach people through your own behavior. The end is reconciliation.
1: Not seeking to annihilate the opponent, but to convert him. And this is why we follow nonviolence.
4: We can learn a little bit of that today, as violence seems to be an accepted method for political change and resistance. Dr. King would disagree.
0: And that was from Free the People, Matt Kibbe.